When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pass to Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pass to Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hey everybody and welcome to another little bonus from Fantastic Fest of Horror Movie Night and right now I'm talking with Chris, the director of Worm, uh, one of the, probably my favorite film that I've seen so far at this festival. I've absolutely loved it. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching it. Uh, it so you did something that I absolutely love with this movie and it's that this film exists in a future but it's a future that looks like the 80s but it's not an alternate reality because everything historically that we know absolutely also happened in this future <laughs> yeah 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 so it doesn't quite make sense but yeah exactly <laughs> so where i want to start right with that where did where did you come up with this concept of like this pseudo futuristic but like believably could be in the last 10 years but also super 80s type world uh i well it stemmed from the idea of the collars which came yeah. first and then i was like well in what world would these collars like seem fun and believable and look the way i want them to look and i was like well it's a combination of kind of how we talked about the internet in the 2000s but it's the technology of the 80s and 90s but it can't be exactly those and i love retro futurism like as a, a genre in, in general which is i think like the idea that as we get more advanced it looks more old and it kind of all mashed up into this thing and i was like a lot of people were like well that's not cohesive blah 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 like that won't work and to helen's credit she was like no i, I see how that works and then we went out and put it all on the screen and it sounds like hopefully it worked for you and it will for audiences it's so and i I'm, i hope you're not offended when i say this but i think you know this like it's a movie that a lot of people are not going to like but the audience that loves it is going to be instantly drawn to it it has kind of that 
the lobster and Napoleon Dynamite type vibe to it where it's like, this isn't for everybody, but the people who like it are going to be obsessed with it. Well, uh, yeah, and I hope that there's an, a lot of those people who yeah. love it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was not. we didn't want to write something that was down the middle. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely a fair statement. Yeah, and, and I think that that's, you know, I was at the screening and the, the reaction from the audience was overwhelming. They, they like... It was a really great, it was a great screening. We yeah. were very lucky. We were thrilled, actually, because, you know, uh, Fantastic Fest historically is genre festival, horror, etc. And where does something like Worm fit in? Kind of, it's a movie that wears its heart on its sleeve, and it's a comedy at the end of the day. And I was really, really thrilled with the response. But it's, it's one of those, it's a comedy about adolescence. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you removed, I was thinking about it when I was watching it, like, if you remove the collars, mm-hmm. which are super central to the plot but if you remove the collars it's still just a very charming coming of age story about a kid trying to find himself in this world i'm yeah i'm really glad you said that because that was helen's whole point when i sent her the first draft of the script uh and she was like it's not about the collars and yet he spoiler he pops it at the midpoint you can take that out but it's obvious it's going to happen to any audience (laughs) member and guess what it doesn't fix your life and he has to deal with all of the emotional baggage you know that he's carrying with him across the second half of the film and that was the design from the beginning and whenever I met with people about it, the reason I knew Helen was going to be the right fit for it was because I would meet with some people about it and they'd be like no I want more about the technology more about the college blah 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 and I was like well that's not what the movie's really about and I'm glad that you picked up on that well, and because it touches on a very real thing, which is um, any any a person, I'm not even going to say any boy, any kid knows that for a long period of time, it's, oh, when will I have my first kiss? When will I fall in love? Not knowing that pretty much the second that happens, it gets so much worse and shittier. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah. And I'm glad you said any person, because I think... Um, we wanted to make sure that it didn't just feel like this is a story for little boys or a story for boys. And instead, I think there's a very strong uh, kind of like female experience angle through it with his sister, Marcella, and then obviously the Lindsay character who he interacts with across the story as well. And hopefully, I agree, it's a universal feeling. I mean, Helen was remarking at the screening that the not too early, not too late concept really resonated with her when she was coming up um, because it's like this tightrope of if I jump in too soon I'm labeled one thing and if I jump in too late I've been left behind you know in some way one there's a there's a scene that I I don't want to give too many details because I want people to watch the movie but there's a moment where Worm is explaining why he didn't visit somebody Mm -hmm. and I don't know when the last time was that I relate it to a character that had that same intense anxiety that I have about that type of stuff where, you know, it's like, well, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. And then when I realized it was a big deal, it was way too late and I felt stupid for even Mm -hmm. being there. So I just hoped you would forget that I like fucked up basically. (laughs) I, I, yeah, that anxiety has governed me a lot. Like that's very personal. Um, and that, I mean, that conversation is very pulled from a conversation I I've had before and it uh I think that that governs a lot of our interactions that feeling of like it's been too long it's awkward now I like I can't handle the shame and so it's best if we go our separate ways and never see each other again that's a terrible way to live your life (laughs) but like 
It's not just when you're a kid. No, I'm, I'm going to be yeah. I'm, I'm going to be 34 in a couple yeah. weeks, and I have at least two friends that I desperately miss. But yeah. like, it feels stupid after two years of not talking to them to just be like, "Hey, I miss you." It's yeah. incredible. <laughs> like we build up these kind of emotional and psychic roadblocks, you know, in our relationships that are challenging to get over. You should definitely talk to your friends. I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> this will be the good. Cat- yeah, this is what catalyst. inspired me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 glad that resonated because that that was very personal to me and I was like is that, am I the only person who feels this way because no. when you write something like that you don't know if it's gonna you know hit with people so let's talk about I like to you know we can talk about the movie a little bit but most of the people listening haven't seen it yet so let's talk about an aspect of the movie that I certainly connected with and I feel like probably was pulled from your life as well but I used to walk around with the tape recorder just mm. recording everything mm. and still have boxes of these cassette tapes of eight-year-old me Mm -hmm. just doing like snl skits with friends and stuff was that also something you did as a child yeah i love i love sound and i love recording things and um i actually studied sound in grad school uh, when i went to film school Uh, that was my focus um and growing up it was how you shared things it was it was we would torrent you know a comedy sketch off of like LimeWire or something yeah. like that, and like that's how I like would experience visual mediums. Like I would listen to recordings of movies, and I would listen to recordings of like old comedy routines. And there is this idea that if you listen to something and close your eyes, um, you're actually having the same physical experience as if you were there because of sound. The way sound waves work, it's the same like physical manifestation. And so, uh, yeah, it definitely came from a personal place. And then there's this idea that was important to me where it's if you someone you love passed away, would you rather have a recording of their voice or a photograph of them? And I always to me, the photo, the recording of their voice brings them back to life in a way that a photograph never can. Um, And I used to I recorded interviews of people when I was younger and I did one of my mom's dad uh, shortly before he passed away. He was a lot older. Uh, and that interview is on a mini cassette tape, you know, from my dad's dictaphone that we like did through the phone, like back in the day. Uh, it'll never see the light of day. There's a little bit, of, there's a couple racist things in there that we got to cut out. But, um, uh, but, uh, it was, it's, that was him, you know what I mean? We can play it back and it's like, oh my God, much more than a photograph will ever like, you know, spring yeah. to life. And that, um, I mean, I, I totally get that when my, I was very close with my grandfather, which actually not, not to bring down the mood on this recording, but actually today would be the 17 year anniversary of his passing. And he was a musician and I used to sit and listen to a cassette of him performing every day after school. And then one day I didn't realize that tape was in there and recorded the radio over the entire tape. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I, I agree with you. Like I can look at photos of my grandfather, but that doesn't put yeah. his voice or his sense of humor back into yeah, my life exactly it's just that that capture gives you nothing of the soul but then no. if you listen to the person you feel oh like they're God. right there exactly yeah, yeah it's it's a very powerful tool and it's i think that it's definitely people who are wired like sure. us like i don't think it's an accident that i spent most of my elementary school years recording audio with my friends right. and now produce five different podcasts yeah. for a podcasting yeah. network like there's yeah. Very, a very clear through line there. Yeah, exactly. And I do think podcasts, though, are bringing back that idea because through our commutes, the in-between moments in our days, we spend our lives listening to other people speak very intimately to us. And I, what, makes, what feels interesting to me about that is I'll run into someone that 
oh my god, I listen to that person's podcast. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I know this person intimately. I'm gonna, I want to like go give him a hug and slap him on the back and be like, what's up, buddy? And like they, they don't know who I am. <laughs> but it's so it's a one way street. But it, it gives you an intimacy with that person that I don't think you get when you're just watching the morning news every day yeah. with somebody and you're you're seeing them at a remove. When you have somebody speaking into your ear as you're washing the dishes, you're getting a closeness to that person that I don't think you can get through most visual mediums. I think that there's, um, in a weird way, less vulnerability in audio. Because I think people aren't as afraid to speak as they are to be seen. So if you don't... like, I couldn't do a video podcast. I know that I would clam up. I know that I would be insecure. But if it's just my voice and people don't have to necessarily know what I look like or yeah. stop me on the street to talk yeah. about what I've said on a show, yeah. I feel way more willing to open up about my own life and Absolutely. my own stuff. Yeah. And I think that with Worm in the end too, like that there's that idea of what are you using the voice for? And there's the, his, you know, is it going to be a hagiography of his brother or is it going to be something more honest? And yeah. I think that that's, you know, what audio can do as well. It can give you like a core honesty, like you're saying. If you have a camera trained on someone and they know, it's hard to let your guard down. There's a reason actors are very good at what they do. It's a rare person who can get emotional in front of a camera. That's, I can't, could never do that. But like you're saying, if you put a recorder in front of me, I would be able to forget about it after a little bit, you know, a short period of time and, and speak emotionally about something. I mean, I feel like that's why the best document like documentarians will tell you that it takes them like three or four years mm-hmm. of following their subject before they even get the yeah. footage that's real yeah. is that it's a long time for people to forget that there's a thing in front of them yeah absolutely absolutely and i do want to call back one last thing with worm before we have to wrap up is with worm um i love that you never spell out what happened with mm-hmm. anything in this world like you're watching and you have to figure out what happened to this family mm-hmm. no one outwardly is just like well this happened and then that led to this and that's why this person is this way like everything is presented in a normal conversational way there is mm-hmm. almost zero exposition and it's so charming and amazing to me so kudos on just a great writing of that thank you yeah that was really i don't like exposition dumps in movies yeah. and if you can hide your exposition well i think that's like a big badge of honor and so i'm glad that you felt that way um but yeah we also didn't it's a story about a family not talking about an event so that we can't have the family talk about that event (laughs) like that that's the like overarching rule that has to govern everything that's happening for the audience and what's nice is like you said i believe people are emotionally intelligent enough to put the pieces together yeah and so I think we're in good shape then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can people see Worm? Is there a social media or anything where they can see where the next festival screening is or anything? We're getting all of that going right now. Um, in the short term, I would say like follow uh, me and Helen maybe uh, on Instagram or Twitter. Um, and we are like in the middle of getting the PR th- machine running. Fantastic Festival is our premiere. It's like the first thing we're getting going and we're just getting started on the distributor front. Um, so we're hoping to have more info on that soon. Helen, anything else? Yeah, hopefully this week we'll know more. Yeah. In the meantime, if you do follow uh, like me or Helen on uh, Twitter or Instagram, just look our names up, we will be putting the information out. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it.
Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.